times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But times change. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. <gasps> no way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like, back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. Hello, everybody. I'm hoping you are washing your hands. Welcome to another episode of the Dead Screen Podcast. I am your host, Rajani Rawls, and I'm joined by a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Heather Justine Allen. Hello, hello. <laughs> What's going on, Heather? How are you feeling? Uh, you are on the other side of the pond for me. Like, I'm I, in the tri-state area. You're in California. Uh, how's life ch- treating you, I guess, with this whole thing? Well, it's officially been one week since we got the news that we are um, supposed to be staying inside, pretty much not going to work, not doing much of anything. Um, I made sure to stock up on all of my comic books before all of our businesses, non-essential businesses, were closed off. So I think I might have enough to keep me a, a little bit sane. Not also with all of the uh, the shows that I am behind on. So I think I'll be okay. Um, other than that, I don't know. We'll see. I currently have a, a COVID chronicles highlight on my instagram right now to document how i slowly go insane (laughs) (laughs) myself and heather uh we wrote for mind equals blown uh for a time and then we like became friends we're like comic book big comic book nerds and we talk about all that in time and she also runs her own site called uh crooners and coffee shots which shots was also awesome uh yeah, like, it's good. To, it, no, it's good to hear from you. I'm glad that you are on. Uh, when you talked and chose this movie to talk about, I knew that it was going to be very special for you. Uh, luckily, uh, Disney put it out on video on demand, and it'll also be on Disney Plus uh, April 3rd. It is Onward. It is another, I don't know if i say tear. It, it kind of is a tearjerker uh Pixar movie, but it's another good, another good movie. It's a, a quest movie, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely very fun. Um, light, relatively, on the uh, the tearjerkerness um, in comparison to some other Pixar movies. But then again, my uh, my my crying skills. Um, I cried <laughs> during Finding Dory, as well as The Good Dinosaur, so do with that information as you will in terms of how much I cry during Pixar movies. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first saw the trailers for Onward, uh, what were you expecting? Like, were you into it when you first saw them? Like, were you interested? Like, there's a, this is a whole big universe of, like, pixies and, uh, like, domesticated dragons and uh, unicorns that uh, get into your trash. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, there's, there's very rarely times where I'm not going to be interested in a Disney or Pixar related movie or Marvel movie. Um, I, I would say that I'm pretty open-minded in terms of my, um, my child entertainment, I guess. (laughs) Uh, focused towards um, reaching the child market. Um, I was definitely interested in going to see Onward right from the get-go. Um, I I thought that it was going to be a fun movie, in which it was. Um, it I wasn't quite sure how exactly the film was going to go, which was fine, because that's the exact same way that it happened with Coco, and Coco is now in my top three Pixar movies. Um, So that was kind of a similar situation. Um, I thought the dynamic between Chris Pratt and Tom Holland was going to be fantastic because they're both very funny. I know they can play off of each other very well, so I knew casting was going to be good. Um, And I figured at some point, I mean, they already kind of, 
mentioned it in the trailer that the story was going to be all about you know tom holland's character ian meeting his father for the first time because his father died when before he was born so that was going to be a major um plot point of the film and i was like yep i should probably make sure i have some tissues with me (laughs) so yeah uh this movie follows the lightfoot family like as you mentioned tom holland is ian lightfoot chris pratt is barley lightfoot otherwise known as spider-man and star lord so like they obviously have like that synergy between them uh laurel lightfoot the mom is played by julian Lund dreyfus uh as you mentioned going forward like these brothers have lost their father and a lot of this movie is not only a journey you know that ian takes you know because he throughout the movie is more of the timid one they would say and Mm -hmm. barley is more of like kind of like he's still believing in magic like a, a big motif in this movie is believing like when we get older uh, like, we start to look in practicality more and, like, you know what I mean? Like, all oh, those childish things. And you kind of lose your whole aura of, like, magical things happening. Like, think about when you're young. Like, you dream, like, these imaginary friends. Like, you think of, like, wizards and dragons and stuff like that. And the whole premise of, like, the world is, like, it starts with, like, warlords and stuff with magic. And then... uh the townspeople in Onward kind of live in this practicality of, like, they're using cell phones, they have jobs, like, it's funny, like, you have this whole big world with, like, all the unicorns and minotaurs and stuff like that, and they're out, you know, being policemen and garbage men and things like that. Yeah, I definitely thought that was you know, a fun take on um, the magic aspect, kind of similar to what they did in Zootopia, um, with, you know, Judy as, as this rabbit that's trying to be a cop in this world filled with, you know, predator-type um, animals. So I thought that was kind of like a almost a similar take, but in the magical sense, which was, you know, I, I'm never going to say no to that kind of, um, you know, modern take in terms of a, a child's film um, because it's it's relatable to the world that we're in right now. Um, just in the, you know, a little bit of a, a, a dosage that's more attainable for a, um, a, a child's mind, in a, in a sense. So, like, one of my favorite things about Onward was about Ian's character. And, like, it starts off, of, this is spoilers, uh, just telling everybody if you haven't seen it yet, but, like, it starts off. Well, sorry, off guys. <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, it's his 16th birthday, right? So he's going into high school, he wears his dad's uh, sweater, his college sweater, and he goes into the restaurant, and he meets, like, a like a father of one of his, I guess, classmates, and then he tells him a story of his dad. And he's like, oh, I've never heard that before. And then, like, he, he tells him about, like, wearing, like, him daring to wear, like, these crazy socks and how he was, and then, like, he tries to, like, he makes this list of basically him saying, you know, he wants to be more confident and he wants to be more daring and everything in that nature he wants to be more like his dad basically off you know the story that he heard and it's mm-hmm. it's difficult like you know if just a disclaimer like i'll let you tell more of the story like i know for you like you've lost the parent you know and i know that like a movie like this would probably hit closer to home to you but like you have your memories, but then you have, you know, the memories of other people who tell you of their person, of who that person was. And, and like, you try to like recreate that in your head and you're like, well, if I could embody what they were, I can kind of keep them alive a little bit. And you see that grown, I I think in Ian's kind of character arc and throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I lost my mother when I was in college um, her, she had lost her father before she was going to college. Um, and she had many, like she, she was very honest with me in terms of her dreams. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I had gotten my writing, you know, my, my writing passion from her. Um, and I mean, even my dad would say, 
gosh, that woman always write always used to write me a novel kind of thing. Um, like if it's like just like a no, or like, I mean, when they start text, you know, when when our parents learn to text in text form, and I I feel like I do the same thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you'll you, you'll always have different stories from your family members, from their best friends, and obviously they're going to be different because. You know, it's going to depend on who they spent the most time with. Um, and you'll always receive, you know, kind of different aspects, whether they're going to be good stories or bad stories or some traits that you didn't realize. Like, okay, I, I see why I am the way that I am from, like, my aunt telling me the story, everything makes sense, or my mom's best friend telling me the story everything makes sense um and that's the the journey that Ian as well as Barley kind of realize that they're going to be on um towards like the end middle end of the film I feel like once Ian starts checking off things off of his list which we'll go into a little bit more in terms of the uh the story and the pacing of the film and what actually happened um and you know, sometimes you have to realize that you can't be your parent or you can't fulfill the things that they wanted you to do, but you can still try and trying is always better than not trying. Now, of course, uh, it's Ian's birthday and his mom gives him a magical staff and a rare gem. And then there's this letter that it gives them like this visitation spell. So it can uh, resurrect their dad for a single day. So Ian is doing the spell, and unfortunately, it only resurrects the lower half of his dad's body. So you have this whole, like, kicked off this whole quest of Ian and Barley kind of going on looking for this other gem with this lower half. And then it kind of goes into, like, this weekend at Bernie's take because they have to, like, make... Like, this top half of just, like, uh, with uh, a jacket, uh, a hat, with, like, uh, glasses with him, with their dad. And I thought it was funny that, like, uh, Barley's van was called Guinevere. I uh, loved it. I thought it was absolutely perfect for them to call that van Guinevere. It just makes sense with his personality and how um, into his, you know, Disney-fied Dungeons and Dragons that he was into. <laughs> I forgot what the name was called in the in the movie, but it was essentially Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so they're going on a quest, and then they meet because they have to go to uh, Raven's Point. I believe uh, it's mm-hmm. met by a manicure named Court, who is voiced by Octavia Spencer which was one of my favorite characters of the movie. So they go oh, to... She was fantastic. <laughs> I loved her so much. So they go to this you know, Raven's Point, and, like, you, when you go, it's, like, this, like, big, like, dreary castle thing, and then they go in, and it's a restaurant. <laughs> it was essentially Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and how'd you... What'd you feel about Corey's character? And I feel like not only was Octavia Spencer funny... And the whole thing, I feel like Corey's character kind of went with the whole theme in the movie of kind of like remembering who you are, you know. I thought I thought she had her own side story in a way, um, in which Ian and Barley's mom kind of helped her realize how much of a badass she was and still can be, um, especially when you know their their mother goes into like her story her journey as, as well with becoming this warrior um towards the end of the film where she's trying to help her sons so i feel like they played off of each other really well and helped each other grow in terms of like remembering their their skill set and why they're why they are awesome in a way um but i did love i i i love the dynamic between them i thought they were great um, I love Corey's character, especially when she was, you know, running around her tavern, um, kind of trying, <laughs> trying to, um, you know, maintain the craziness that is there between 
the bachelorette party that's complaining about the karaoke machine being broken down as well as like all of these kids and then you have ian and barley that are there trying to look for a map and then she just goes insane and i was like well that that's pretty valid for her to go insane with all of that happening um but she's also this like badass you know magical creature so now also uh you know, Laurel has a new boyfriend, and that's Colt Bronco. He's the Centaur police officer. Uh, I also thought he was kind of he was funny. He uh, <laughs> the few times that we saw him. Uh, how do you feel about him and kind of where he played? Basically, where you know Ian and Barley are on a quest. Mm-hmm. He's the new boyfriend. He's obviously checking in on Laurel throughout the whole movie. He's trying to track them down, like. That whole dynamic of them trying to figure out more about who their dad is and then, like, having, like, this new guy who they do make fun of in the van, like, having him and, like, what he has to do. Um, I think his actions are very valid and realistic to how someone who is starting to starting a relationship with someone who has children already, especially grown children that are like in high school. And I think Barley's probably in college age. Um, it seems like, because I know at the beginning of the movie, she had mentioned this is the longest, uh, gap year ever. Um, but I think, I think his emotions are kind of in tune to the fact that, you know, these, essentially future future stepsons in a way um you know they they want their father they want their real father their birth father um and he maybe he feels like there's a competition that or just you know shoes that he's never going to be able to fill um regardless of what he does or how much he tries to take care of them in which he does show that he cares he's trying to you know, save them from from harm on this dangerous journey and trying to make sure that, you know, their their mother doesn't lose her lose her mind worrying over her sons. He's trying to essentially do something to help her because he loves her um, and she loves her sons. So in a way, it becomes full circle because he ends up caring for them as his own sons. Yeah, uh, I really liked that dynamic because you got to figure like it's got to be hard like especially when you have like full grown teenage uh or adult like kids already and you're interjecting into uh already formed family like that and especially mm-hmm. with him being a, an authority figure they they mm-hmm. like you said like they just like mock him and, and like make fun of but I'm pretty sure like it, it, you see throughout the movie that he's looking out for the best for them you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it just seems very straight and narrow, but he's a police. He's he's a cop. But, yeah. Uh, you know, you can only do so much. Uh, as So as they go throughout the journey, um, they Ian also has a journey with magic where, like, the spells don't really work out as well in the beginning of the movie, but as he gains confidence... Uh, they start wor- they start working out like I could remember basically you know where they try to make the gas can bigger because they run out of gas and he ends up shrinking barley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I really liked the fact that it ended up being Ian was the one that needed to be essentially be taking magic lessons from his brother um, because it, it it essentially created the plot where Barley and Ian were you know, bonding more than they they clearly had been in the past over this one goal of trying to bring their father back. And Barley has to teach Ian how to do all of this magic stuff that, you know, Ian is like, uh, oh, it's not real kind of thing. Um, and kind of like what you're saying, he, as, as time goes on and he gets more confident and realizes that, you know, he's going to have to do things himself. Um, it ends up being a really awesome story and an awesome plot point um, and a great addition to the dynamic between the two brothers. So how did you, uh, I wanted to, like, how do you feel about the humor of the movie? Like, did it come off to you well? I, and 
I remember talking to some people and they said like the jokes maybe didn't land for them as well as they thought they would with like other Pixar movies. But I but like I'll say like a scene where like they're they're doing the whole bridge thing. Like mm-hmm. where like uh Ian is like uh like has to trust himself and makes his whole thing like going with the bridge. Uh and I thought that was typical Pixar humor. Like I I found it was funny. And then like the whole thing with uh Corey and Laurel and their parts were funny too. Like, how did you feel about the humor in the movie? Um, it I will say that it wasn't as funny as some other Pixar films. I will give it that. Um, it it's more of an epic. They weren't trying too hard to be funny, but I feel like the jokes that they did have in there or the funny moments that were in there still landed because they weren't too far off in terms of the you know the themes of the jokes kind of thing. I was cracking up during the, um, the scene where they were impersonating the cop kind of thing. Cause they were, they were basing it all. They're pretty much basing it all off of their jokes of him. Um, so just seeing it come to life as them impersonating him was actually very, I thought that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> especially getting down his like, nah! <laughs> his laugh. um, and I, gosh, what was it? The the Cheeto part where, like, they made the Cheeto into a boat was pretty fun. <laughs> you got to use what you have, right? Ex- exactly. And the I, I thought Barley's dynamic at the at the gas station with, with the Pixies where he was just like, you guys should be flying. And the police just like getting all pissed off about everything was hilarious. <laughs> I like how that came back around during the chase where like they crash and then like they look like they're gonna crash into the street and then they start flying. <laughs> that thought... was that was hilarious. I it, it, and you can see on their faces like whoa whoa holy shit we can fly let's <laughs> do this and then they end up flying into their their mom's car. Coming full circle <laughs> throughout the journey. You mentioned uh, the scene where uh, they turn into uh, Corey. No, no, they turn into Colt. Uh, they there's a spell that they do, and they have to tell the truth. And yes. they get meet by Spectre and Gore, uh, two uh, police officers. One's a Cyclops, one's a Fawn. They are voiced by Lena Lena Waithe and Ali Wong. Uh, <laughs> And there's a revelation that comes because I believe uh, Gore asks, like, starts talking about Barley, and she's like, oh, that kid's a screw-up, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, Ian has to tell the truth. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see this dynamic where, like, you know, Barley, as you see throughout the movie, like, he is, like, he is taking, like, the year off. He's still in the mindset of, like, believing in all the magic. You said he's, like, playing, like, that... Yeah, equivalent of Dungeons and Dragons and Disney, like he's still kind of like believing in what would be perceived to be uh, like these like adolescent stuff, and then like everybody in town looks down on them, and it looks like Ian to a certain point does too. How do you do? You feel basically on how far they like Ian and Barley's relationship with each other came along throughout the movie. I kind of had a feeling that that would be their breaking point. Somehow it would be brought up that Barley is a screw-up and Ian would, ha- would pretty much you know tell him straight to his face. I, I figured that was going to be um, playing a big part of it. I, um, I felt bad for Barley because, you know, everybody has their own speed in terms of growing up. And some people, you know... Like, I'm almost 30, and I, like, so into Disney stuff. I'm so into superhero stuff. I, like, barely got back into comics after, like, you know, these Marvel movies coming out when I should have never, you know, you know, kind of left when I was younger. Um, and I, you know, go have, like, you know, balls to the wall on these Disney and Pixar films kind of thing. A lot of people think that they, they just correlate that with, children's things family things but it's like you know when you think about it these you know 
board games, movies, comic books kind of thing. Like, they are also essentially for adults as well. It's just going to be how you perceive them. Um, And with Barley, I mean, he, you know, he had his own issues that he was dealing with that we discover throughout the film. Um, But also with Ian, it was... It wasn't surprising that it had to be his brother, his his best friend, his confidant, pretty much, to tell him the truth and maybe kind of make him realize, like, maybe I should be trying a little bit more or reveal, you know, how I'm feeling about certain things, in which he does later in the film, which becomes the the ending portion of the film. Now, do you feel that... Uh, that plot point, basically, with, like, the whole, like, brother who's a screw-up and then a brother who's trying to find confidence in his voice, do you find that it was, like, a little commonplace for a Pixar movie? Or did you find it that it was going to be, you know, basically fine? Like, you know, it pushed the story along to where we're going to go when we talk about the third act. Um, There's a lot of films where a sibling, you have your screw-up sibling, and then you have the one that's, like, so straight-laced and has a stick up their butt. Um, We could probably list, like, ten of them right now (laughs) if we wanted to. Um, I did like how they went into a different direction in terms of incorporating the theme of them wanting to meet their father. Um, And I think it really made a difference in terms of how the ending of the film came to be because essentially when you look at the trailer it it plays it out as Ian's journey of meeting his father for the first time and you watch the film and that's not the case so I think it did need to have that specific dynamic between the the two brothers as well as having it where you know the bottom half of their father cause them to go on this epic journey um for the film to become what it is yeah i agree uh, i mean towards the end of the journey and we'll get into like the third act now like they've sacrificed a lot like mm-hmm. barley basically sacrifices guinevere and like it you know like he does like the salute and is and he like i like how like he like just pats her like like she's like like the van is like a an actual horse like gets the pat as they go and, like, sacrifices her. And uh, almost kind of trots as well, like a horse, against the rocks. Yeah. I feel like when he has it in auto, in auto drive. So they go, and they go on, like, these whole, like, they go to Raven's Point, and it seems like they're going through these whole, like, mazes and it, basically typical things like Indiana Jones to get to, to the gem. But mm-hmm. it's not. And I didn't see this coming. I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to find it, and then, you know, la, 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 happily ever after. It actually <laughs> goes, um, like, up a manhole right back to the town. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what? the school, actually, where, in which that's, like, one of the first scenes that it kind of stays on at the beginning of the film, and you're like, okay, he's at high school. There's a dragon. Cool. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, I'm like... Oh man, like they're not gonna they're not gonna get it. And like I immediately thought like when they had that fight and basically Ian's like, You let me on this wild goose chase and I now I'm not gonna have any time with the father. I'm like, mm-hmm. is the lesson that Pixar is teaching basically saying like you can't undo things? Like it's just like what's done is done, you know, like and maybe like the, the time past that... is, the past is the past. There's nothing you can change about it. You wish you can, but there's no real way to do it. <laughs> yeah, like I thought about that, and I'm like, oh man, like maybe the time that they spent with him was meant to be with the lower half. Like it was just like that's it. That's what you can take. And I was like, oh man, like this. Is, like I know that like Pixar has some downer, like real world. Uh, twist, but I'm like, ah, damn it! Like they're not gonna be, like they went all this way, and now they're not gonna get it. But <laughs> alas, there, you know, there's another twist, and it's great. What what I found was good about like the final parts is, you know, it doesn't only involve like Ian and Barley. Mm-hmm. Laurel finds her warrior spirit as they're f- fighting the big 
concrete dragon. Corey's like flying now. She's got her wings. Like she's got her exercise. She's exercised her wings. But mm-hmm. then there's a twist here where, like, right before where Ian kind of sits with the lower half of his dad and he's like thinking about the checklist and he realizes that Barley was the father father figure all along. And yeah, like, that, that's what killed me there. <laughs> that was the start of the tears. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. And then, like, you think about the whole journey, and I'm like, Barley was basically big brother dad. Mm-hmm. And there are, unfortunately, a lot of families, especially in the U.S., whether they're, you know, whether they're a product of divorce or a family member dying or a family member just le- up and leaving, where it is the older sibling that's kind of taking care of them. Um, and it's something that we always forget about because we have this weird, you know, parental sense that this is the parent. They're, they are the, they are always an adult. They know what's right. Um, and we forget about the relationships that are between siblings or even not, like, I'm an only child. I don't have any experience with siblings, but maybe even like your cousins or, your your best friends that may be going through the same similar situations as you. Yeah, I I mean, and then after that, like as they're fighting the dragon, it's the choice. The choice <laughs> was like the second like thing. I'm like, oh man, because <laughs> Barley like he hints at like he's talking to Ian and he was talking about when you know their father got sick and he was on the verge of passing. He was so scared that. He didn't walk into, you know, uh, the hospital room to say goodbye. And it was like one of the things where Barley is so fearless and he's like, let's go on this quest. And you're like, you know what, man? Like, he has feelings too. Like, mm-hmm. he has this, you know, even though he shields it, not only does he have like this whole thing of regret, but he also like, there's also this serious side to him that wants to take care of Ian. And it's Ian's choice to fight off the dragon. Now you see him being fully confident of using these spells. And then him giving the last moments of the dad, dad to Barley. And I'm like, oh, man, like, that is what a, like, I thought, like, hats off Pixar. Like, that, that was a great moment where, like, he's trapped in the rubble. And he sees that the sun is almost down, and all he could see is basically the interactions between his father and Barley. Like, mm-hmm. beautiful moment right there. Well, how how did you feel about it? Was that like another tearjerker moment for you? Yeah, that's when the uh, that is when the faucet was on full steam ahead. There, <laughs> um, what was really awesome when they especially when they started with the flashbacks with ian and his list is that you don't realize i mean when we're adults it's a little bit easier to kind of accept the concept of death but you never really realize how it's going to affect a child especially like one that's so young like barley was and one that wasn't even born essentially and you don't know how kids are going to react to that kind of thing. Um, so I really thought they they hit a home run with the last moments, having Barley be the one to essentially say goodbye to his father that he didn't have the chance to when he was younger. Yeah, that was a, a really good choice that they really, that I was just like, ah, man, like, of course Barley would get the last moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And of course... Ian would have his hero moment, like, fighting off the dragon. Like, that's... And like you said, like, when he was going through the list and stuff like that, like, I didn't even realize. I'm like, oh, wow, he already experienced this. And he was experiencing it as he was, you know, going on this quest. Like, the -hmm. driving. Like, Barley's like, floor it. Like, you know what I mean? You're going to have to get over, like... It was like a dad. And like you said, like, Mm -hmm. there are families where... You know, unfortunately, there's a parent missing, and if there is, you know, an older brother or older sister, like, the youngest kind of looks up to that sibling as being kind of like the parental figure and stuff like that. Like, it's, 
it's a beautiful story, but it's also kind of bittersweet because, you know, their dad is, they only got one day with him. You know what I mean? Like, and, but they've done, but they did a whole quest within that day. Yeah. I, I was happy with the fact that they went with the ending that they did. Not saying that it wouldn't have been, you know, still a tearjerker for Ian to meet his father for the first time, but I think it was more meaningful to have that moment, that ending moment for Barley, pretty much, because that's how a lot of, I'm, I mean, like you're a kid, you don't realize, like, okay, my my father or my mother is going is never going to come back. You just think they're they they lessen the blow for someone who's that young but when you're adult you realize it more like they are gone and that's kind of what barley had realized and that's why his goal was to not be afraid of doing anything essentially um and he learned that very very early on unfortunately um so it was it was sad that ian didn't get to meet his father but it was awesome that he realized that barley was enough for him so, like, to go back a little bit, like, how do you feel about the story thread that they only had 24 hours with their dad? And it wasn't, like, you've seen other movies where, like, um, they would go and be like, well, you know, like, if they somebody goes on this quest, you could bring them back to life and something like that. Yeah, 24 mm-hmm. hours. Like, that's it. Like, there's no spell to, like, permanently bring somebody back from death. Well, then that would essentially be a zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> Or some kind of horror-themed movie where you bring someone back from the dead and something goes completely wrong. And that's not Disney style. They want to, especially Pixar, they want to hit you in 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 the in the gut, essentially, um, with every movie. They want to have, yeah, they want to have their happy moments, but essentially they want you to take something away from, from the story. And it's a, ha- onwards, a happy story, and it's, it still ends up sad at the same time because of the fact that they only had 24 hours for them, for them to bring their father back. And I feel like if they had say like three days, it would have been too much and they wouldn't have learned the lessons that they did if it was more than 24 hours, kind of like how I feel about like the little mermaid, like three days is a like, too long for that movie (laughs) so like to end like the movie like ian showing his classmates about like his spells and then like he gets friends which is awesome barley gets a guinevere too so a new uh van and then like Corey reopens the tavern where she gets to tell stories of past adventures like it seems like everybody gets their happy ending uh like laurel and colt are you know in their relationship they're even you know joking or colt is joking around with ian barley which is pretty cool <laughs> where would you rank uh onward in your list of pixar films oh gosh um i have to like write this down so <laughs> <laughs> um at the bottom of my pixar list is all the cars movies wally and toy story 4 so. <laughs> oh, you didn't you didn't like Toy Story four? Uh it wasn't needed. They sh- they could have just left it alone at Toy Story three. Um, okay. I want I want to say that it's it's in the same tier as like Inside Out and Up. Um, my favorite movie is Finding Nemo. Um, and the reason why I didn't go and see it when it was re released in theaters because I would probably piss people off because I know like every line from the movie. Um, <laughs> Monsters Inc. is my second one, and Coco is third. Um, I want to, I, I want to say like Inside Out is probably number four because just like you know the the realization that you know the magic is gone, childhood is gone, kind of thing. Um, I would probably put Onward maybe like six or seven or eight, kind of like the middle tier. I don't even know how many Pixar movies are out. Too many, but I would put the middle tier. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I would put it in the middle tier too. Like I love The Incredibles, Incredibles two. Uh, I love like uh, Toy Story three, Monsters Inc. It's pretty dope too. 
Uh, like you said, Finding Nemo, like another great movie. I don't know. Like I liked Onward, but not enough for it to get in the goat tier of like Pixar movies for me. And it's sad because, you know, with, you know, unfortunately with the coronavirus and everything like that, like it made, it only made like $103 million. Like that's low for a Pixar movie. Uh, yeah, un- unfortunately. And it's, you know, it's it's undeserved because it is, it's, it's a pretty good film. It's, it's thought provoking. It's tear jerking. It has the fun moments. It's, it's got everything that you could possibly want in, in a Pixar movie without like, you know, dying inside. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it it really does suck that this movie was so heavily affected by the coronavirus um, with having the theaters, you know, essentially all over the U S being closed down. Um, I do appreciate the fact that they ended up releasing it digitally, like, right away, and that it's going to be on Disney Plus ASAP. Um, It's it's a fun movie. I I would absolutely watch it again, um, as opposed to some other Pixar movies, that's for sure. Um, You know, you kind of have to take it as, I mean, I guess it's also going to depend on your situation. Um, Yeah. What your your life experiences in a way like this is a movie that along with Coco I would have to be in the mood to cry because it's such a tough subject for me personally. Like I could watch Finding Nemo every day. Um, I could watch Monsters Monsters Inc every day, but this is this is a more thought provoking topic, and I have noticed that Pixar has been going into that direction. Maybe they have been this entire time, and I just realized it because I'm, an, you know, somewhat of an of an adult. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, Soul, you know, hopefully it comes out June 19th, is going to deal with that, basically kind of like, you know. I already also- know that that one's going to hit hit me in the, in the, fa- the tear faucets pretty hard. Yeah. Like- I- I was already getting emotional during the the trailers, so I can only imagine what's going to happen when I actually see the movie. <laughs> Soul, yeah, Soul has been doing that. Uh, I feel like uh, Toy Story Four touched on that a little bit. Uh, Incredibles Two dealt with like uh, real world stuff with like Mister and Mrs. Incredible, where like Mister Incredible had to deal with basically like not being. You know, the head honcho, like Elastigirl. The the breadwinner. Yeah. And, you know, like, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, yeah, like you just said, like, maybe it it is because we're getting older. But, you know, Pixar is starting to get into a lot more adult-themed territory. Like, death is a very heavy thing, you know? Like, especially to be in a perceived animated kids movie, like, where, you know, you have to deal with... Like like Coco or like Up and stuff like that. Like, how do you deal with death and like how do you appreciate the things around you? And I think that's where Onward kind of succeeded. Uh, I agree with mm-hmm. you. Like, it has to be. I don't know if I would watch Onward. Like, you know, what? let's just put on Onward. Like, I would also have to be in the mood to like kind of watch watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we get out of here, though, you and I talk a lot about MCU stuff. <laughs> Yes. And I want I want to get your thoughts on Black Widow and that getting delayed to I don't know when. And then also production kind of getting halted on WandaVision and, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Basically, I wanted to give your, you know, your thoughts on that. And basically, you know, where does the MCU go now, you know, with Endgame going off and, you know... How do you feel about that? For Black Widow, I was trying to stay hopeful that they were not going to push the release date back. Um, But also because coronavirus has gotten so crazy in such a short amount of time, it's almost a blessing in in disguise that it got pushed back. Because I, I feel that the Black Widow movie, one, should have been released a long time ago. Um, but also it kind of makes sense why it's coming out now, because I feel like with the MCU, 
especially in phase one and half of phase two, the the female characters were not done with very much justice. And I feel like now, like comic book fans are more in tune to accepting a you know a kick ass female Avenger like solo film kind of thing. I think I think Black Widow should have come before Captain Marvel. Personally, I uh, <laughs> as much as I appreciate having Captain Marvel coming in, I don't. I think her film was rushed for the sake of having her be an endgame and having a backstory. Um, so that that's that's my thought on Black Widow. I think I have a feeling they're going to be going along with the the legacy theme that has already been established with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, and, you know, Falcon training to become the new Captain America. So I think it's going to be Yelena essentially taking over as the Black Widow moving forward in the MCU. Um, with with all of the Disney Plus shows, um, I was not surprised that, that the Loki show is going to be going in the direction that it is, especially with what happened in Endgame with him taking the Tesseract in one of the timelines he's so running that, around right now 2012 Loki. yeah yeah so that'll be that'll be fun um i'm excited to see you know anthony mackie and sebastian stan teaming up together you know actually teaming up together so that'll be fun um and i i wasn't quite sure how i felt about the wandavision show I was kind of meh about it at first, and I love Scarlet Witch. I think I I want them to do a House of M kind of deal, where she just loses her goddamn mind. Yes, because, because it'll be like legit and so like visually cool. Um, and when they announced her going into Doctor Strange and being in the second film, I was like, I don't think I've ever been this interested in Doctor Strange until right now because of Scarlet Witch and whatever happens in WandaVision is clearly going to impact that story. Um, and just seeing, you know, the trailers and the, the information coming out for WandaVision, I'm just like, I am all for this. I'm for WandaVision all the way. It's going to be baller. I'm excited. I want to see all the craziness going on because I, like they they sold it as a sitcom. I was like, "How is that possible?" How yeah, I thought like, that was weird too. Funny. But now when you see the trailers, I was like, "Holy shit, this is gonna be amazing." <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see how the coronavirus affects you know the the phases. Um, from what it seems like, the timeline isn't going to be affected at all. It's just more going to be like the films are going to be pushed back but they're still going to be in the order that they were planned, which is good. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, they they put a lot of thought into the timeline. Like, clearly, we saw it from, like, a 10-year time span from the beginning of Iron Man. They knew that Endgame was be- going to be essentially the end of that era after 10 years kind of thing. Like, that's insane, and... Ex, you know it's it's extremely commendable and you can't say that you know they were half-assing it because they were not <laughs> yeah i'm really excited to see all the multiverse stuff um yeah. I, I definitely think that they're going to with spider-man there there's something cooking there i think i definitely think that they're going to extend the deal they have to like it's it's a money maker for both sides and money trumps everything in hollywood uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be cool too. Uh, WandaVision and basically everything I saw in that small trailer with the twins and, uh, basically different realities. And like you just said, uh, with her going into, uh, the new Dr. Strange movie, maybe we do get, you know, n- the s- storyline where like she goes crazy and, and goes, uh, warps into different timelines. Like it, maybe you know, with Loki, you see the time variance authority. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like there's so much here at play. There's so much they could do with Disney Plus. It's like I think I'm more interested now than I was 
in the 10 years. Like, it felt like when I got out of end, Endgame, I was like, oh, wow, like, we really kept up with everything for 10 plus years. Like, we, this is like a, our version of uh, Saturday morning TV. We were just at the theater. And now I'm interested to see. It it was impressive that they were able to keep it together throughout that timeline, especially with what happened with like James Gunn and, you know, some other, other issues in terms of misogyny against the female characters kind of thing, which, you know, fuck them. (laughs) I I just like, especially with, you know, the all like, uh, you know, Miss Marvel will be in production. She Hulk, uh, Mm. like uh, Moon Knight. You know the Eternals. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't get delayed or anything like that. Uh, I'm. It, I would I'm, hope not. They're maybe supposed to come out in November. Yeah. I would hope that we're out of this by. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you never know. You never know. Uh, Heather, I'm trying not to think about it. I'm trying to stay positive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, hopefully, like, just cover everybody. Just stay home, please. Just, everybody, just stay home and let's just flatten the curve. You know what I mean? Wash your hands and stop hoarding the toilet paper. <laughs> like, what what the hell, man? There's like are you are you so scared that you're shitting yourself? Like what what is the deal about toilet paper? I don't understand it. <laughs> Heather, thank you for so much for coming on. I, I gotta we gotta bring you on again to talk more about MCU stuff or anything. Like you every from everybody like listening to this, you could tell that Heather's awesome. She's been a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, Heather, where can they? Where can people find you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. My personal is Heather Justine twelve twenty four, which is my birthday. It sucks having to share your birthday with you know Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, so. <laughs> Um, you can find my blog, Crooners and Coffee Shops, at croonersandcoffeeshops.com. Um, there is a tab with all of the social media. Um, Twitter is C for cat, I for igloo, C for cat, Heather, because, you know, they, they like to limit the amount of characters in your profile name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Instagram and Facebook is Crooners and Coffee Shops, so that'll be pretty easy. Um, and other than that, that is, that is it. That is it for social media. Um, and it was awesome to finally get to be on here. So thank you for having me. We're definitely going to have you back as always. You can follow us at dead screen net, both on Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook everywhere. That's all for this episode. Heather, once again, thank you again, and we will talk to you soon.